Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be taking a look at the full Lil Regional Championships meta breakdown, as well as the results from some Asia Regional League tournaments that took uh, place this past weekend. We're also going to be talking about the PTCG Live Beta, which is coming, confirmed by Pokemon, this month. The beta worldwide this month, so we'll be talking about that, our thoughts, our hopes, and uh, prepare for potential disappointment. We, uh, we'll also, of course, have Guess That Flavor Text, everyone's favorite segment of the podcast. And then we'll spend the end of the podcast talking about the upcoming Lugia V-Star. Is it unstoppable, as everyone seems to think at this point? My name is Trainer Chip Ritchie, joined here, as always, by my co-host, Azul GG. What's up, Azul? How we doing, man? Doing pretty good. Pretty excited for Silver Tempest. It's actually really close. I didn't even realize how close. I guess it's because, like, so much traveling the last month or so with everything that I didn't really realize how soon the next set is. But yeah, two weeks away from Silver Tempest. So we be talking about that a little bit today with Lugia. But yeah, super excited for, for super, super, super excited for Silver Tempest, a new set, freshen it up a little Definitely. bit. But you, Chip, how was your week? Week's been pretty good. Yeah, we're recording this. Uh, we usually record Monday nights. We release on Tuesday. So it is currently Halloween. I guess it's not Halloween because it's after midnight for me, but uh, <laughs> it's still Halloween for Izzle. So we had the baby's first Halloween, and we also get a lot of trick-or-treaters in our neighborhood. Do you guys get any trick-or-treaters at all, Izzle? you have any of that? Uh, I mean, we don't No, We don't do any trick-or-treating around here. Okay. I mean, I'm sure there's trick-or-treaters out there, but <laughs> Azul's like the, the Halloween Grinch, I guess. No trick-or-treating at Azul's house. <laughs> no, but I mean, we... I'm here doing the podcast. I don't have time to give out the candy. <laughs> no, but we had a bunch of trick-or-treaters come through. I had the Pokemon, uh, booster packs or the trick-or-trade packs. I was able to get a couple bags of those and gave almost mm. all of them out. They come with each bag comes with uh 40 packs so it's 80 packs total and i have 10 left so i gave out 70 of the 80 packs so we had a lot of kids coming through and everyone was super pumped when i saw when they saw pokemon cards i had cards and candy so i let everyone grab one of each at least and they were yeah loving it everyone was super excited about it which is cool to see also favorite moment of the night for sure was a kid coming up in a marshmallow the dj uh marshmallow <laughs> costume he uh, took his helmet off as he got up to the to the front to you know say trick or treat or whatever. And jokingly, when he walked up there, I was like, "Oh, you're that guy from Fortnite." <laughs> and, <laughs> and he gave me the most like annoyed blank stare <laughs> of any kid <laughs> I've ever seen. Amazing moment uh, for sure. <laughs> it was pretty funny, and he was very excited about getting some Pokemon cards. So. Yeah. Speaking of the the Halloween, that's like a that was such a super good marketing uh, move by Pokemon. The oh, yeah. Halloween packs, like that's an, that was such a good. I think it's also a really cool thing to like have around. But I'm sure they made so much money on people buying those instead of candy, which is actually, to be honest, probably better overall for most kids. Less cavities, yeah. Uh, yeah. less sugar, uh, getting more people into Pokemon. So it's a good thing overall, I think, for the Pokemon TCG, of course. But yeah, it's super good, uh, Mark. Whoever came up with that idea. Uh, and, needs to get it raised for sure. Yeah, and I think they did it right as well because there's no like ultra rares or anything like that in the packs that are going to cause adults to like overly scalp the product. I think when they first mm -hmm. came out, they were pretty hard to get uh, just kind of how most Pokemon things have been. But um, later on in the month of I think I got them in the or in like early mid October, I was able to grab two bags of them. So, um, yeah, I was able to get a couple bags because I knew I'd give out at least one full bag. 
Um, but yeah, it was definitely great. And like I said, everyone was, all the kids were super pumped about it. Like even kids who like, you know, it was like their, the older sibling was like, oh, Pokemon cards. And the little one would be like, oh, Pokemon. Like they, they get excited about it too. I don't know. It was just fun. Um, so yeah, definitely enjoyed that a lot. Halloween's always a fun time. I had a great time with Halloween when I was a kid. So I love, you know, getting to kind of be on the other side of that, be the adult handing out the candy and the, the, the <laughs> treats and stuff like that and seeing them just running wild for a night <laughs> for sure, which is great. But yeah, yeah enough of Halloween on to the Pokemon cards. And we're going to kick it off by talking about the Lil uh, France meta breakdown. So we did talk about the results of that tournament last week on the podcast. So if you missed that and want to see those results, feel free to, uh, you know, check out that episode. But we did get a little bit of an update through the actual meta chart. So showing exactly how many people from, you know, who participated in the tournament played each specific deck archetype. And it's pretty similar to what we've seen uh, from the American regionals as well. The top five decks kind of looking like they're staying pretty much the same. Number one and number two staying steadfast and true, being the Comfy with the Giratina V-Star. And, of course, Curum V-Star. Or, sorry, Curum V-Max. This does say V-Star, but it should be Curum V-Max with uh, Palkia V-Star. So, uh, honestly, yeah. at this point, probably not that big of a surprise, right? Yeah, I guess not. And I think, how close is this to actually Salt Lake City? Because Salt Lake City was Tina's first, Curum second. Was Palkia third at Salt Lake City as well? I think it was. I think so. It's the same um, five. The order might be a little mismatched, yeah. um, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, got, I'm pretty sure it actually is this exact five order. Yeah. So then Palkia at number number three, Mew down there at number four, and then yeah, the the Sables are, and then past that, it's like a little bit less relevant, I guess. Past those, I feel like, um, but they're it's pretty close overall, right? There's only ten difference between the Kiram and the the Tina. Only nine difference between Palkia and Mew, and then three between Sablezard and Mew. People still feel feels like people are still pretty scared of playing Mew just because of how much Drapion yeah. uh, there was. But like we talked about last week, the winner yes. of the tournament <laughs> was like, eh, they played Mew and uh, enough people cut the Drapion. So uh, and sometimes that's how that's just, you know, you, you run it like that. And sometimes that's just how it goes. Enough people, enough people cut the tech cards, uh, even though it is such a good tech card. Um, sure. I got such a strong deck, but yeah, sometimes it works out. So yeah. Yeah. Nothing, nothing too surprising at all. I don't think. Right. No. Um, yeah, Reggie Gigas, I think, same. like, even after the dominance in Salt Lake City being four of the top eight spots, still being at down here at, like, the number seven, eight spot, maybe would have thought it would be a little higher. But Reggie yeah. Gigas is just one of those decks that it's never going to be that popular, right? It's never going to be a top three deck, I don't feel like, in the meta. Yeah, I feel like it's 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 almost like, um, I feel like it's a deck that has, like, an unfair stigma about it like a lot of people were calling it greninja break on twitter uh pre-salt lake city which yeah, i think like is extremely <laughs> i feel like i feel like those people i don't think any of them played greninja back when greninja was a deck there was a reason there's only one person to see consistent excess with greninja and um gigas a little bit different um i think definitely a little bit different if you've played both decks uh you know that gigas if you played both decks and you were you know you could competently pilot both. You understand that Gigas is not not Greninja for sure. We even saw the first seed from Lil from day one to day two was Gigas as well. Um, yeah. They definitely had a little bit of a falling off. Coming at 801, you're usually feeling pretty confident about making a top eight at that point, especially playing a deck that still is, I think, you know, even at that point was such a in such a good spot with where the field was, but they weren't able to, you know, get into the top eight. But yeah, I was actually, but I even said, like I said, I feel like Europeans 
little bit less so wanting to play Gigas, but I think overall it is so more that the deck does just kind of have a uh, um, an unfair stigma. Is stigma the right word? That feels like the right word to me. No, is yeah, that the right? it is. yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> an unfair stigma attached to it where it's like it's clunky, it's inconsistent, um, but it's not it's not that clunky or inconsistent. I definitely think it deserves more respect. I think it definitely should be like if you're like talking about how powerful a deck is versus how popular it should be, it should be like in the top four, I feel like at least sure and maybe we'll see that change a little bit with the next set you know in theory against lugia you know you got aleki can hit for weakness if there's no dunsparce anything like that we'll talk about lugia a little bit more later on but i think you know on paper maybe there's a chance for gigas to see an uptick in popularity it certainly doesn't gain any bad matchups it feels like with silver tempest so maybe it's something people should keep on their radar as we head into the latin american international championships later on this month uh, but there is still one more regional championships in this format, the Warsaw Regionals in Poland. We'll be talking about that and give our thoughts a little bit more in depth in next week's episode for where the meta is currently. But it seems like, you know, based on the last three major tournaments having pretty similar top five results, if you're someone who likes to kind of, you know, make those big meta calls we've got a pretty defined meta as far as what the top five is going to be and which what order those five are going to fall in is pretty close uh, as well right so maybe there's something some room there for someone to try to take advantage of that who knows yeah possibly like this would be the time if, like in this format if a control deck was going to have its moment which we did see three mewtwo v unions make day two at lil um it's very hard, I think, with the decks that are good in the current meta, though, for a control deck to do it. But, I mean, now that you kind of know what you're up against, this would be the time for some kind of control deck to do it. Uh, but I think the meta is overall a little bit too wide for someone to kind of make, like, a uh, you know, a call like that um, overall. Sure. I think there's two, like, the, the, the decks are kind of, like, too versatile amongst, you know, between, like, I would say just between, like, uh, Tina, Palkia, and Mew, like, trying to beat all three of those decks that are so powerful is just like impossible <laughs> it almost feels like an impossible uh, an impossible feat like being able to tackle like kira or sable's art i think like those are a little bit easy to kind of counter but mew palkia and giratina such versatile decks yeah all so powerful i think it's almost going to be impossible to get like a a really broken kind of meta call but i would i would love to see it happen so hopefully something at warsaw does pop up yeah i really liked charlie lockyer's vika volt deck that we saw from him early day one in salt lake city he did not make it into day two but on stream in day one he played against tina v star with comfy and that matchup just seems so insanely good for the vika volt deck but i have to imagine that you know, you've got the Drapion, I guess. If you play double Drapion, maybe you beat the Mew, but if you only have the one, Mew could probably be tough. Palkia, you're a Lightning type, so you've got that benefit, but Palkia can still hit you really hard for just two energy, which is where the downside of decks like that are going to be. So maybe there's room for something, Control um, or Item Lock, something like that, to, to pop up and do well. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's the last tournament of the format. So if, if you think you've got a chance, if you're listening, if you're in Europe or if you're going to Europe for the tournament, now's your time. Take advantage of it. Let's see if someone can make something happen for sure. Yeah, yeah, it'd definitely be cool to see. Uh, the other tournaments that we did have uh, this weekend, not last weekend, last weekend was Lille, this weekend um, were two tournaments over in um, Asia. One was in, what, Indonesia and one was in Malaysia, That's I believe, right? Yeah. right? 
Yeah. Yeah. So one in Malaysia, one in Indonesia. So these are not TPCI tournaments. These were TPC tournaments. So for anyone yeah. who might be confused what that means, TPC, the Pokemon company, is the, you know, the parent, the Pokemon company in Japan, based out of Japan. They take care of and run all of the tournaments in Asia, including Malaysia, Indonesia, all that. And then the Pokemon Company International, which is based out of Seattle or Washington, or there's also the office in London, England as well, um, they will run the tournaments for the rest of the world. So these are not tournaments where players are earning championship points or anything like that, but they do have their own qualification path to Worlds. I'm unsure exactly how it works. I kind of think it depends on which country you're in as well, but I'm not 100% certain on that. We should definitely try to like kind of know those things a little bit better, I guess. But um, yeah, I have no clue. Our, our focus like... is pretty much mostly on how things work for you know where we're playing and casting and working and stuff, right? So yeah, I know that I've heard like a bunch of different weird ways you can like qualify for worlds from Japan. Like it depends on like how the level of the tournament, but I think you just have to like place so high. And if you get enough placements, that gives you a day two invite, basically. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw uh tuan lay tweet out after getting top 32 or top 16 at a tournament after dropping to go to the dentist the next day or or because they couldn't play the next day of the tournament because they had to go to the dentist <laughs> and they were like well this placement still gets you my day two invite so yeah, i'm yeah. all good so yeah. it was just like that top 16 placement i think it was just like a number of placements got them there i'm not sure it. and it's really interesting actually one thing i would be curious to know um would be i mean you have players like uh shintaro right who is you know, one of the best players in the world, one of the best players in Japan. Um, but if it's a lottery system to get into their tournaments, does Shintaro get like lenience and does Shintaro get to play in all the tournaments? Like now with, you know, we just had Daichi get second place at Worlds. Um, what if Daichi just doesn't ever win out on these lottery systems and never gets to play and doesn't get to come back to Worlds next year? Oh no, I guess Daichi will because they got top yeah. four. They automatically get invited. Yeah. So I guess Shintaro would be the one I'm curious about then. Daichi's there. Shintaro was at Worlds this year. Um, I would imagine we'll, there's probably not a system that like places favor onto certain players, uh, but they just have, I mean, they've still got a decent amount of tournaments and the country is a little yeah. bit smaller than the U S right. So it's a little easier for them to travel well, across the country and stuff to get to. Yeah. But they have the tournaments. And but all. if you just, if you just get unlucky in the lottery system, do you just, Shintaro is not going to come to worlds one year. Like that sounds ridiculous. One yeah. of like the best placing worlds players at worlds ever just doesn't get to show up to worlds because <laughs> of the lottery system. That's like, so I'm actually curious. I would actually be curious. Like if, if like, you know, players of Shintaro's, you know, stature and level just get like a little bit of a, cause I think it would be reasonable. I don't think that would be like a bad thing to have in, in the system, but I did. It's just something that crossed my mind that I never actually, an answer to. So if anyone knows anyone from Japan or who has played over there or just an idea of their system, I'd be curious to know in the comment section on the YouTube, how does it work over there as far as that kind of stuff goes? Or, you know, is Shintaro just in the lottery system like everyone else? Sure. If anyone has any idea. So let's take a look at the results of these two tournaments. They were pretty sizable tournaments. Um, the Malaysia Regional League. So it's not a regional championship like we have. They're called Regional League Tournaments. In Malaysia, 124 players, and then in Indonesia, 221. It was the same format, Sword and Shield through Lost Origin. There was no new cards, no Lugias or anything like that legal just yet. And the Malaysia Regionals was won by Hisuian Zork V-Star. So this is a deck we talked about leading into Lil, something you said, Azul, that you felt like had a pretty solid matchup spread. And Aravan Akilan, who played the deck, went 10-0 and with it. So seemed like the matchup spread and the draws just really went their way that day. Zork, I think, something on paper that seems solid in practice. The It can be a little clunky, but 
it worked out 10 and 0 pretty good result without a doubt yeah 10 and 0 and there's actually three zorks in top cut um and there was also two palkias one urshifu inteleon i've actually been seeing some rapid strike urshifus pop up in tournaments recently um yeah i think Tord plays uh, it on his stream like almost every single day so that probably influences (laughs) it somewhat Tord just has some sort of love affair with that with that bear i guess (laughs) (laughs) and then there was a giratina as well but yeah zork three zork in top eight we've seen only one other zork in a top eight before these tournaments i believe um i guess one thing to kind of mention is oh i think zork's pretty consistent um overall it's just that it's matchup spread i feel like is where it kind of lacks um but uh it was best of one i believe up until top cut so consistency i think has a slight edge over kind of more teched out decks because you're just playing less games so you have less chance to use your techs in powerful ways so something being straightforward consistent especially if you know that um you know you can build your list even that much more towards consistency which is maybe why we see that saw the zork success here overall uh, but yeah i've always talked about zork i think it's a very powerful deck if you know you're going to be going up against other multi-prize Pokemon, right? If you're going up against Palkias and Tinas, it's just when you start to hit like the Regis and the um, Sable Sablezard, stuff like that, where the deck definitely comes up a little bit short, I feel like. But if you're just going to be hitting multi-prize Pokemon all day, I do think Zorak's pretty powerful. It's like the ultimate beat stick deck. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, if we're taking a look at the, going back to the little meta um, chart, you know, we see Reggie, and Sableye, Charizard are still pretty reasonably popular. You know, that makes up those two decks a decent chunk of the meta, but it is entirely possible that you could play a tournament and only hit one or hit neither of those two decks. Uh, You know, the other top decks just make up such a bigger percent of the meta. So, yeah, Zorak seems good. Obviously worked out very well for Athavan, and we will look as well at the Indonesia Regional League results, which had two... Kurum VMAX facing off in the finals. A player called Ferco was able to win at an 11-3 and record. Yeah, so Kurum VMAX, another deck. I'm Now, so this one, I'm not, I'm like, of Zork, I actually kind of like, so I think it's cool Zork one. I'm not a huge fan of Kurum, and it's, there's not only two in the finals, there's actually three in top eight total. So Kurum, um, it almost seems like Kurum dominated this tournament, but then you realize there's four Mew VMAX in top eight as well. So Mew VMAX, little slightly more dominant as far as the top eight placements go but both kiram's in the finals um so i'm assuming they probably were bringing the drapions to get ahead of the muse um overall matchup's not terrible without the drapion but um it's a pretty big but yeah this has been one of the most uh popular decks um and a lot of i feel like this is just like a lot of people's like favorite deck like i said i'm not a huge fan but doesn't mean other people aren't and it definitely has kind of seems to have stuck around i thought this kiram would fall off in popularity post um post peoria but it's kind of maintained its popularity and it seems like people still really enjoyed the deck it's very powerful um a lot of options you know you got palkia you got greninja you got the kiram of course that can get hit really hard or as hard as as hard as you need it to basically and uh yeah finally see it kind of yeah we saw it finally see it come out on top here um and definitely different results here with these top eights like when you compare them to um you know everything else we've had up to this point kiram uh dominating and then also zorak dominating which is something we haven't seen we did have the two kirams in top eight of uh salt lake city or not salt lake city of peoria top four uh two two in top four of peoria um but not quite as successful as uh as this this place these placements here yeah so the first place kiram list did play the drapeon the lists were posted over on the pokestats twitter so um yeah the first place list did play the drapeon the other two in top eight did not play drapeon actually though they both opted for empoleon first place list does not play empoleon though first place list is pretty interesting actually only two irida 
three Melanie, the four VIP pass. Um, other than that, I guess is pretty straightforward. Three, three Kiram and two, two Palkia. So yeah, I mean, just a pretty consistent list overall. Light on the Irida, I would say. I feel like most of the time I still see three to four Irida in there and then three to four Melanie. So a little bit light on the supporters, but did play three Marnies. That might be why, yeah. I guess, fitting the extra Marnies in there. Also played a Research, a card that we don't see that much of, which is kind of funny to say. <laughs> yeah, in the deck, you don't really see too many Research. I like the Marnies, though. Lost Zone decks, like, um, it seems like maybe that's the way the deck should gravitate towards to deal with Tina more uh more handily like tina is the most popular deck in the format also decks just don't like being marnie they they uh they don't have that many draw supporters and they kind of set up their hand to deal with the current situation and then hopefully give themselves options into the next turn so if you're just constantly marnie spamming them you're usually coming out on top in kind of the uh resource advantage at least or efficiency advantage where they have to all of a sudden they they're like extending really hard with their comb fees to try and keep going turn after turn yeah. and that can lead to some pretty bad loss zone options so the, the marnie spam is probably just there for the the loss on matchups and also the did you see the the cards that they actually get for i think it's like the top i was four. just thinking <laughs> about how i wanted to talk about this yes for getting into the top four they get given these trophy cards which is so sick and it makes me so jealous that we don't get anything like that for our regional championships <laughs> i mean the medal is cool and all but uh, a card to take home would be pretty uh, pretty sweet, to be honest. And it wouldn't even have to be... I mean, they could, at minimum, just take whatever the regional promo is for that tournament, like Colrus's Experiment, uh, that everyone gets for signing up, and just stamp yep. um, stamp the, the champion or top four, top eight, whatever, on it. Though, I will say, like, you know, this actual trophy card... I'm trying to make it so they can see it good on the YouTube video, but this actual trophy card, very, very cool. It's, I think, a unique promo as well. I don't remember exactly what it does, but it's got Zashin and Zamazenta on there. Very cool. Yeah, it, may, it would make sense that... I mean, we're a card game, so having some kind of trophy card or... Like, we've had... Uh, we used to get, you know, used to get uh, Battle Roads, you'd get Victory Medals, yes. and then League Cups, you used to get... I forget what it's called. No, that was victory. That was victory medal. Battle Roads used to get something else. Victory I don't remember. Cup. Victory Cup, I think. Uh, yeah, that might be it. Uh, and so then that even would for league be... challenges, uh, league challenges, you get first, second, third, and fourth place cards. Oh yeah, that's right. We still, you still, those are still things. But you don't yeah. get them for any other level of tournament. <laughs> yeah. Well, for worlds, you do. Worlds, you yes. Get the, yeah. yeah. And and, so and the ICs and the ICs. Oh, and ICs you do as well. Yeah. Even... Wait, so where are the regional ones? There's no none <laughs> for regionals like... and none for league cups. None for regionals, none for league. They should at least bring them to regionals. I feel like that's like a really good, um, yeah, just like even, I think even like, and I'm sure a lot of people would love to, like even just like a day two, uh, if you if you like when you make day two, if you had like a, a, a day two uh, stamped card, that would be sick. Um, it'd be a great like kind of achieve, achieve like when people achieve that achievement, even though their first day two, that little bit of memorabilia would be sick. And then, you know, top eight, top four, if it was like, some kind of championship, like exclusive regional promo that's like not playable in tournaments, that'd be fine. Or even, yeah, like you said, just taking the promo, the current promo for regionals, which right now is Colrus, and putting a top eight stamp, a top four stamp, finalist and champion stamp would be sick as well. So um, I feel like most other card games do that. Like I feel like Magic does that. They might not do it for their regionals. They do it for some stuff. Most card games do that because it makes sense. You're a card game. You may as well have trophy cards. Um, so Pokemon should bring that to uh, bring that to our regionals. They should do that at some point. I don't know what it would be, but they should do something. Yeah, give us cards, Pokemon. I mean, they give us like you know, <laughs> and you also, you know, getting top four, you just got a medal. You got any thoughts about the? Yeah, I mean, you've collected quite a few uh, different types of trophies over the years, different plaques and stuff from the old regionals. Do you have a preference on the uh, the new 
medal system at regionals as opposed to the actual trophy that you used to get? So everyone I've talked about this says that they wish they were still trophies. I think the reason I'm a little bit more uh if you impartial. say right now that the, you like have too much too yes many that's literally why i would up, say it so, oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh well it's because i have so many of the I regional have, bricks I so that, like, I want many of the regional plaque trophies i, I was... just needed more space <laughs> i'm so happy they did medals do you no, hear it's yourself? Not about space <laughs> it's because it, it is because i have a lot of that is literally the only reason i care that that's the only reason i like the medals is because it's something different than just another uh plastic brick that you can't read unless you get really close to it so um but i would what i would love them to do um and i wish i had one out so i could show the people on youtube at least the old regional trophies and stage trophies are so sick um yeah those are so sick so if they could bring those back i don't know if chip's gonna try and find a picture yeah. of one of them to show you um but those are so incredibly sick they're actual glass they're huge um there's incredible uh so they could bring those back that'd be sick i'm personally a fan of the medals because yes i do have so many regional bricks that i just want something different to add to kind of the collection um that's also why i was excited that they changed up the ic trophies because i already have the second place one from laic a while ago um so they switched that up different kind of trophy is cool um but i i'm not I, like at a, I, I think they could have done better i think the medals are okay personally a fan because it's something different and my, you know, um, my goal is to try and get a little bit of everything. But right. um, I personally, found a good, but... a good example on Google for anyone who's watching on YouTube of just the different trophies. So here's an old state championship trophy. It's a really, really big piece as well. I've seen some of them. I didn't play back when these were given out. But yeah, very big regional championships are kind of the same way. Um, and then here's what the more modern regional trophies looked like. And I think... Uh, they used to give you these for winning, like, even just cities and states as well for a little while. Um, yeah, states. Yeah. Azul oh, probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for a while uh, the you could get them for cities yeah, as yeah. well. Um, yeah, all the same shape, just, like, different size. They got bigger. Like, they're small. Like, the cities ones and the states ones are smaller. And they've started to change the trophies up a little bit in the past few years. This is traditionally what the world's trophy has looked like, where it's just a Pikachu on top of a pedestal holding a little miniature trophy. This year at Worlds, they changed it up a little bit more, making it a little bit more defined. Uh, I think Azul back there in his background has his NAI. Is that your NAIC trophy right there? Yeah, over here. So, um, you know, they've, they've definitely changed it up. And I'm definitely a fan of making them look a little bit more unique year over year. So I'm glad to see yeah. them doing something different with the medals. And, you know, maybe that those resources went into making the World's Trophy and the NAIC trophies or the IC trophies a little bit more unique, which is, is not a bad thing. Yeah, the IC trophies are cool. Uh, the medals are okay. Um, like I said, my personal reason is just because it's something different, which is which is cool. But I think they could go a step further. Like, like I said, the old uh, the old regional trophies were super sick. If they went back to that and kept it like that for forever, I would be 100% content. But I feel like we're probably not going to get back there anytime soon. But who knows? Maybe. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> well, and we can move on from this discussion and move into the Pokemon TCG Live Global Beta has been confirmed to be releasing this month in the month of November. Now, we talked about this, I think it was last week, if not last week, the week before. Uh, we read the letter to the community from the PTCG Live devs where they said by the end of the year, they wanted the Global Beta to go live. But now it has been confirmed on the forums. Someone posted a question and a TPCI 
uh, admin from the forums responded and said, in the most recent letter that was put out, we called out looking to expand the beta globally by the end of November. So far, nothing has changed on our end so soon. And I think it was on Poke Beach, actually, they pointed out that all of the previous month um, releases have been on Tuesdays. So I would expect it to come out in on a Tuesday globally in the next couple of weeks, most likely. Yeah, is that what they do, like, all the updates? Because I feel like PTCG also updated on Tuesdays. Maybe it's Wednesdays, though, usually. It's definitely one day. It must just be a good day for there. developers, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe it's the best day. Maybe it's the time when the least amount of people are playing games or something. Maybe that is, like, week. Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Yeah. yeah um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it. finally coming, finally releasing globally, which is uh, a, uh, a good thing, right? Um, who knows how far I we are away from the official launch, um, that's still a ways away. Um, and I actually finally played some PTCG Live. It's been a while. I think I need to play a little bit more, but um, before I give like too hard of a critique of where it's at right now, but it definitely um, did not feel as good as PTCGO yet. There's still a lot of things that are like uh, just kind of, I guess, jarring is the way to put it. Like that's one thing we talked about is like it did increase the pace of play um through you know reducing animations and stuff like that but it literally felt like they just literally turned it to 11 they were just like turn it up turn the speed of the animations up and they didn't like actually make new animations that feel fluid so that was a little jarring um and there's still some of the old stuff that is still just a little bit weird like a lot of the times when the cards get really big they're just really um pixelated like just low quality images like they took an image of a certain size and literally just blew it up instead of like taking an image of the bigger quality and making it smaller. I don't even know how to explain it, but like it just looks bad when the cards are like really big sometimes. So a lot of things that are still pretty jarring. Um, the gameplay is not super smooth. The board state looks way better. Um, so a lot of things are improving, but I still feel like as far as like the overall, and I still see tweets on Twitter about like bugs that are like happening all the time. So obviously that stuff needs to be cleaned up. Visually, I think there's still an improvement. Um, functionally, there still needs to be some improvements because it still feels better. I would rather play on PTCGO still after that one game. Like I said, I should put a little bit more time in there because uh, I didn't play a whole ton. I've only played one match the other day with it. So should still put a little bit more time in there. But overall, I think I'd still rather be playing on PTCGO. Um, doesn't mean you shouldn't try out the beta when it launches. I just wouldn't convert your, or what is it, merge your account, migrate your account over to PTCG Live until you give it a little bit of time, make sure it's something you want to commit to. And if it is, then go for it. Um, but definitely take the time to figure out if that's something you want to commit your whole PTCGO card collection over there. Because once you go over, you can't come back. So it's improving. It is taking a long time. Finally, the beta will be global. And I don't know, hopefully by the end of next year, we'll have a full release. But who knows? Yeah, who knows? I mean, hopefully with the beta going global this month, they'll start to be able to collect more and more feedback. And that's really the main purpose of the beta is for them to collect the feedback, find issues, and hopefully adjust and fix those things before the final global launch. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, but um, I mean, they wanted this game to come out this time last year. And that did not happen, right? Like they yeah. thought they thought it was going to be ready this time last year. So it's well, someone been, did, yeah, someone thought. I mean, we've been getting <laughs> we've been getting code cards for the last year that say play today, PTCG live, and well, if you're living in most of the world, you can't. <laughs> I mean, I guess at this point, yeah. it's, it's out in a pretty high amount of countries, but 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, to echo what Azul said, definitely do not transfer your account over. I would say probably, I mean, there's really no real reason um, to transfer over unless you're like really itching to play whatever top tier deck. Um, I would still, you know, say, I would say take the time on PTCG Live to just play the starter decks that they give you. They're pretty good, which, I mean, there are several things that PTCG Live does do very well. And one of them yeah. is early access to cards getting like decent competitive cards early on the starter decks are pretty solid getting the more competitive decks like i think building a giratina deck might be a little bit more difficult it's going to take you a lot of credits and stuff like that which is going to take a lot of time of play but you know play with those starter decks at least get a feel for the client see if you like it and then for your real hardcore testing or for tournament play on the play limitless platform um, stick to PTCGO. And I think you have to stick to PTCGO still on Play Limitless. So, um, yeah, if you want to still play in the online tournaments, definitely stay on PTCGO. That's actually, yeah, a good thing to point out there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> man, I had a point I was going to, I had something I was going to mention and I completely forgot what it was. Oh, what was it? It was something about PTCG Live. Uh, oh, we're talking cat about. Cat distracted me. <laughs> we're talking about uh, not transferring and talking about uh you know global launch and feedback for the devs and all that but um yeah i can't remember hopefully it comes back to me i had some oh something about the ah it's it's, it's eluding me right now uh what are we talking about the codes <laughs> codes are out they had code cards on in the card for for over <laughs> the year. youtube video i'm gonna just put Azul tries oh, to remember. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, and this is not a like, I have nothing to do with the beta release or the actual release, but like, it just sucks. Like, especially, like, I don't know. Once again, just kind of like letting my feelings out there as a content creator is like watching the release of uh, Marvel Snap. There's just going to be no hype for PTCG Live when it fully launches. There's no hype. It's been out forever. Everyone is getting to play the game in beta. They're slowly releasing it, which kind of like, builds up the want and need to get involved in the beta as well. So everyone's going to want to join the beta. There's just not going to be like a, and it sucks for content creators. I'm sure most content creators would agree with me on this. It's just going to suck. Like they're going to, it'll fully release and hopefully it's great. Hopefully it's so much better than it currently is. I'm, I want that to happen, but, and and maybe this just sounds like I'm being a little like uh, complaining, but like it just sucks when you look at all the other games when they release for the first time, there's so much hype and such a big deal around it, but we're not going to have that with PDCG live because it's been being released uh and we get to see the whole process of it getting worked on so there's nothing cool or new to see when it does fully release right we as a community have been effectively working on the game for the past year so yeah um so that'll kind of suck it'll it'll fully release and we'll know everything that's it that's about it there's nothing to be new to discover there's not gonna be a ton of hype behind it it's not gonna invigorate a bunch of people to want to get on the game probably so as a content creator that just kind of sucks yeah and i mean to talk about marvel snap a little bit and i think i said this when i talked about it a couple <laughs> weeks ago um i mean i've been playing that game a pretty decent amount i'm not sure if you've gotten to play anymore or not as well but no, i've been playing it a decent amount i'm in pool two right now with the cards um and man it's just it just feels so good doing anything with the cards just feels great moving them <laughs> to the different lanes uh, the animations, the effects that happen, the game just feels amazing. And it makes me want to go in and play it more. You know, every single time I've got a few minutes to play a game, I'm trying to trying to play a game. So um, I want that experience, like the feeling I have about that with Marvel Snap. I want thousands and thousands and thousands of people across the country, across the world to have that desire to play the Pokemon TCG uh, to play the online version of the game. And I'm just not confident that it's going to happen where PTCG Live is at right now. Hopefully some changes can happen with the beta and, 
you know, before global release. Maybe, maybe the global release, there'll be some big shifts and big updates and a big push for marketing to get it out there. And if the, all those things happen, you know, maybe there's a decent chance that we see uh, PTCG Live be successful. But where it's yeah. at right now, I'm, I'm hopeful, but a little apprehensive. <laughs> yeah. And before I can already, I can hear someone type in the comment right now. Before someone says, Snap games take two minutes. Pokemon games like take, you know, 15 minutes. They're not comparable. The The point is that like Pokemon is a very good game at its core. It's very fun and enjoyable and it's pretty easy to get into. But if the experience of actually playing the game on PTCG Live is not quick um, and rewarding and enjoyable through uh, the ease of play of cards, uh, no real holdup, the animations aren't slowing down the game, everything just feels smooth and fun, then I mean, that's the experience that we want PTCG Live to have. Um, and it really sucks when we've been on PTCGO for 10 years and it feels better to play on PTCGO than it does PTCG Live. It just gives, you know, and then something like Snap comes out, which is, uh, you know, new game created by a big company. PTCG Live is a new game created by a very big company as well. Not as big as, uh, at this point, yeah, probably not. I mean, not as big as, as, uh, marvel or i guess disney right i don't know if there is i don't know if it's as big but i don't think you when you're when you're both billionaires when you're both billion dollar companies i don't think it matters at that point big enough um, you get to a point yeah, where they're, it's just they're big both enough. big they're both big enough that they should both be able to come out with a very fun and enjoyable game of uh of what's it called and especially when you compare it to the pokemon game once again snap was a whole new game pokemon once again you're just kind of you don't have to, the game is not needing to be remade or anything. You just try to make yeah. it work, but it's so far it's been the struggle. So hopefully, like I said, yeah, hopefully we're hopeful we're here now. This is what we have to work with. So hopefully, you know, that the, at the final release, it's a good product. I'm hoping. Yeah. We'll definitely both be playing it more whenever the beta fully comes out. Uh, I mean, I've been playing snap a lot because I can play it on my phone. And I think that's one of the biggest selling points for PCG live is the fact that you can play it on an iPhone. I know you can play, yep. um, you can play, uh, through the Google Play Store, I think if you download the APK, like um, can play it on Android phones, but it's still like a workaround, I think, to be able to play it on Android phones. Like you can't just go on to the actual store. I'm pretty sure. So the, once it actually comes out into just like the general app stores, and it's very easy for any person who has one of these phones, just go on and get the game. That's gonna make it uh, just give so much more access. So many more people are gonna try it out, which is exciting, and hopefully we'll see some some uh, a bit of you know growth in that aspect whenever that finally does happen and come out. So, yep. Yep. Well, I think it's time as well for everyone's <laughs> favorite segment of the podcast. Guess that flavor text where each week, one of the two of us will pick a Pokemon card and read the fun little bit of text in the corner, AKA the flavor text. And the other person has to try to guess which Pokemon we are reading the card for you do get access to three lifelines if you get it correct without using any lifelines that's four points to you for each lifeline you use you lose a point and those three lifelines are what set the card is from what stage the card is and read an attack name it is my turn this week to pick for azul we're each on a bit of a streak the last card i yep. picked azul was able to get the last card azul picked i was able to get so we are tied at four to four no <laughs> longer three to three it is four to four we'll see if azul's got a chance to keep it rolling here this week <sighs> azul what do you think are you ready i'm ready let's see if i can uh, get another point keep the okay. streak going by imitating the voice of a child, it causes people to get hopelessly lost deep in the forest. It's trying to make friends with them. 
I've, I've actually i have a hundred percent read this one before i'm pretty sure i do this little thing i have a channel point redemption on my stream i think i mentioned this before where people can redeem uh me to read a pokemon flavor text and this one sounds super familiar all right so go ahead read to me one more time so it sounds like you're getting a little cheating right because you just get a little you're, that's you're... not no <laughs> by by imitating the voice of a child it causes people to get hopelessly lost deep in the forest it's trying to make friends with them Okay, so it's definitely some kind. I think I'm pretty sure it's some kind of ghost Pokemon. For some reason, Phantom is coming to mind. Um, and I guess like another one I could think of would be not. Oh, I figured, there's Drift Driftloon. No, but I think Driftloon. No, is Driftloon Driftloon or Driftblimp? Is that the one that flies away with the children? I don't know. One of them flies away with children, so I don't think it's one of those. Phantom is coming to mind as one of them maybe duskull i think it's some type of ghost pokemon i think i'm gonna need a little bit more though to figure this out so i'm gonna go with what stage the card is it is a basic all right so now i'm like a little bit more and a phantom as the choice duskull is still an option as well like i said i think it's still some kind of ghost type pokemon like that i can't think of any others off the top of my head doesn't sound like a ghastly and sound i'm gonna go with another one um read an attack name spooky shot uh so that's not phantom i don't think it's a phantom with a spooky shot attack now i'm a little bit less confident i feel like it could be mimikyu as well i think it sounds like a, that sounds like a, that sounds like on uh what's it called for mimikyu uh on brand for mimikyu <laughs> Some Mimikyu's, but I, I guess I'm going to use them all here. What set is the card from, even though this one does little for me? We'll see. Uh, it is from Cosmic Eclipse. Cosmic Eclipse. I'm pretty sure there's a Mimikyu in Cosmic Eclipse. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to lock in Mimikyu. There is a Mimikyu in Cosmic Eclipse, uh, but it is not Mimikyu Azul. It is Phantom. <laughs> no way! <laughs> It is oh Phantom from Cosmic Eclipse with two oh. attacks, Mumble and Spooky Shot, a Psychic-type Pokemon, 60 hit points. But like Phantom evolves into Trevenant, right? It does evolve into Trevenant, yes. Oh, dude, I was right off the money. I was off the rip. I was on it. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, I knew there was a Mimikyu in Cosmic Eclipse. Oh, I was pretty sure. I didn't know about a Phantom. There are so actually like, right. two Mimikyu in Cosmic Eclipse. Yeah. I mean, they were taken over back in the day. Yeah, you played one of these in one of the Players' Cups, I think, right? The Shadow Box Mimikyu. Um, yeah, yeah, I think. Shadow Box. Or it was like a thing that people played in Picaram maybe a little bit. It got played for a while, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so unfortunate. You had it. Right. It was on the tip of I your know. tongue. You wanted to go the Phantom route, but couldn't pull the trigger. And there's been a couple times now. This is one of them where I've been like confident initially that I think I know what it is. And then there was that one time I was super confident. I just guessed off the rip. I was like, I think this is and it. You were and then so the last... wrong. <laughs> and then the last two times, SQ. And now this one, I was like, I'm pretty sure this is the Pokemon. But I kept nope. going. And now this one, uh, if I just stopped guessing and just locked in Phantom, I, every every guess got me further and further away from Phantom. Because Spooky Shot, that didn't sound. I don't think I've ever seen a, a Phantom with Spooky Shot. It doesn't sound like a Phantom attack. So. Yeah, that's I, I had to pick between Mumble and Spooky Shot, and I thought that Spooky Shot was more likely to get you off the Phantom Trail, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> that is unfortunate. 
Yeah, I thought I, I thought I was, I thought I had it there. I thought with the movie, I was like, what are the ghost Pokemon? Are they even there? I didn't know any of them, and there was a Phantom the whole time. Well, All let right. us know down in the comments if you were able to guess correctly. Did you get Phantom or were you stumped like Azul was? Also, you know, <laughs> I did want to be on theme with the whole Halloween, all that stuff. Get us a little ghost type Pokemon since it is still <laughs> technically Halloween when we're recording, even though tomorrow when people listen, it won't be. Anyway, we can move on. And it is now time to talk about Lugia V-Star and is it unstoppable? So this is the big card coming out of the new set silver tempest and there's just been a lot of discussion about this card this past week it came out in japan this set that lugia is in in japan their set is not called silver tempest it's called something else but it did come out and it was legal for the first week of you know something else interesting in japan when cards come out they are legal instantly they are right away legal so it makes getting oh, cards pretty wild yeah um so they're legal upon release um actually maybe it was one week i don't remember i talked to hexter about it a little bit because he played in one of these uh city league championship tournaments anyway but it seems like it's so much easier to get cards over there though because they have like those decks that are like basically constructed standard decks and stuff like that like their products are just so much more built towards competitive play yes absolutely um, but there's been a lot of discussion this past week. I mean, there's been some some really funny looking pie charts that have come out over on Twitter from some of these Jap uh, Japan tournaments that show just a massive meta share. 50% of top cut being Lugia, 45% of top cut being top uh, being Lugia. And that discussion has kind of made its way over to English Pokemon Twitter where people have been saying Lugia just seems pretty good. So real quick, I just want to read through. <laughs> What Lugia does, for anyone who's uninformed or isn't exactly sure, we'll talk about what this new deck archetype is meant to do and then kind of give our thoughts on it. So um, Lugia V-Star, it is an evolving Pokemon, so it evolves from Lugia V. Its attack is Storm Dive for four colorless energy. That's right, four colorless energy. It does 220 damage, and you may discard a stadium that is in play. And then its V-Star power is Assemble Star, you may use this during your turn. Choose up to two colorless Pokemon from your discard pile, except excuse me, except for Pokemon with a rule box, and put them on to your bench. And then the card that you're going to be mostly putting onto the bench with Lugia's V-Star power is Archeops, which is a stage two Pokemon. Normally stage two Pokemon and being a fossil Pokemon makes it pretty tough for a Pokemon like Archeops to ever see any play. But with Lugia, you can just slap it in to play put it right onto the bench um and it has the ability primal turbo once during your turn you may search your deck for up to two special energy and attach them to one of your pokemon then shuffle your deck so an insanely strong ability the fact that it's on a stage two usually would mean it's not going to be great but lugia just letting you put them from the discard pile into play and the fact that you can use both of the archaeops right away to instantly put four energy onto the lugia out of nowhere makes it incredibly good and then one other card I did want to make sure to read, which is a really important one for the deck, is V-Guard Energy. As long as this card is attached to a Pokemon, it provides colorless energy. The Pokemon this card is attached to takes 30 less damage from the attacks of your opponent's Pokemon V. So a little bit of a HP buff, a damage reduction buff to the Lugia as well. Uh, also, you can't apply the effect of V-Guard Energy more than once on a Pokemon. So yeah, there you go. Lugia V-Star, 
Those are the new cards coming out that interact really well with it. There's a couple of old cards as well that are pretty strong. Azul, what do you think, man? Is 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 are we just gonna see a dumb amount of Lugia V Star at LAIC in a couple uh, of weeks? Um, I think so. I think probably. Like, I think it seems very strong. Yeah, Archaeops insanely powerful when comboed with it. We have capture energy. Um, so you can use that early game, and then that becomes energy in your deck for later. You have powerful energy. You have lucky energy. Regener regenerative energy as well is coming out in this set, which might be played as like a one of, which is like when a, when you evolve a V, um, it heals 100 damage. So if one of your early Lugia Vs takes some damage, you Archaeops a regener regenerative energy to it, and then you evolve, you heal 100. Um, and you can even play other stuff, right? Like the Lugia sets up the Archaeops. But then you can have Aurora energy in there and any attacker you could ever want. Double turbo energy. We've seen stuff like Yvatol, Regigigas, um, any attack, tech attacker you could possibly want alongside the Aurora energy as well. Like you want to attack with something that's fire or lightning or water, you can do it, right? You can literally do anything with this deck. So extremely versatile card or combo, I guess. You need both. Like it is Lugia and Archaeops. It's not Lugia or Archaeops. You put them both together to create this insane combo. That allows you to basically attack with whatever you want, whenever you want, uh, until you'd run out of energy, I guess. Um, so I think Lugia will be the new best deck in the format. Um, and I think it's going to be what everyone's kind of contending with. And I think the question for all of the current meta decks is, can you beat Lugia? Because if you can't, you probably don't survive uh, <laughs> Lugia's... You probably don't survive Silver Tempest format. Like, if you just don't beat Lugia, if you're playing Giratina or Palkia or Kirim, it doesn't matter. If you don't beat Lugia... I don't think you're a viable deck in the format anymore. I think that's kind of be the, uh, uh, the what's it called? It used to be Mew, and then it could you beat Mew? Now, and then it was, could you beat Palkia? I guess it was, could you beat Arceus? It was, could you beat Mew? Could you beat Arceus or Mew? Could you beat Palkia? And now it's going to be, uh, can you beat Lugia? And that's going to be the big question, because you can't, that really can't exist anymore. I think it's going to be pretty insane. It does seem strong. I mean, with the powerful colorless energy and the choice belt, you just need... Uh, what two powerful color synergy and a choice belt puts you up to hitting for 290 so that's enough to be knocking out all the 280 hp pokemon stack yep. one more double uh or sorry powerful colors on there and then now you're knocking out things like mu v max um you're knocking out opposing lugias with a v guard energy on them um and you talked about some of the other ways people are playing the decks i've got a list pulled up here from japan that's got for Aurora Energy in here, it's got the Radiant Charizard, which seems like a pretty popular choice. You know, late game, mm -hmm. you can just come in for one energy, do a bunch of damage. Something else I've seen from a lot of the Japanese lists is the amazing rare Evil Tall, which yep. you can power up <laughs> right away. You just need to attach one energy from hand, pull a twin energy out of the deck, and then three Aurora Energies, and you're going to be... Oh, sorry, yeah, you don't even need to attach from hand. You just pull the twin energy out in three Auroras, and you just one-hit KO anything with the amazing destruction just knocks attack. Out. <laughs> yeah, just knocks it out. Gudra, no problem. Lugia, no problem. Anything you're going up against can just take care of it. And it's also interesting to look at kind of what the rest of these pie charts look like from these Japan Champion League or City League tournaments. Not, not Champions League, City League tournaments. So these would be kind of similar to like a league cup for us, but they are way bigger and there's a lottery system to get into the league cup pretty much. So it's like uh, somewhere between a league cup and a regional championship for us is the size of these tournaments. Um, the second most played deck uh, on both the part charts I'm looking at, um, we've got second most played deck of Duraludon in one and then third most played deck of Duraludon in one. So, I mean... <laughs> 
Duraludon making a comeback, I guess, Azul? Thoughts? Yeah, I guess. I mean, maybe that's probably why people are playing the Yvatol, right? Because that still KOs Duraludon. Yeah. So you they go, you know, they go Arceus, you go KO the Arceus with the Lugia, they go Duraludon, punch your Lugia, not even KO, and then you go Yvatol, one hit KO, and the game's just over from there, right? Like, um, theoretically, you just always have tempo as Lugia because they can only pull off one attack with the Arceus before it goes down to a Lugia. So, um, yeah, even then, it seems like Duraludon probably wouldn't be the answer. You could always do Path to the Peak as well. There could be something. You could play Parasols, I guess, for your Duraludon. But yeah, you could put Path to the Peak in the Lugia if you just want to straight up punch the Duraludons with your Lugias, and you'd win that trade as well, probably, because you're like the more aggressive one-hit KO deck. Um, but it seems like it's going to be tough to answer. And even then, once someone comes up with like a reasonable answer, because of how versatile the Lugia deck is, you can probably answer the answer pretty reasonably, right? Like, yeah. You have four Aurora energy in the deck. You can literally attack with whatever you want. So, um, yeah, it seems tough to be able to come up with an answer for us. And it does seem kind of like it is uh, dominating over there. One of the things that you mentioned was there is some Eternatuses in these pie charts. Yeah. Just barely uh, creeping its way in there, which makes sense. It's not going to really get one-hit KO'd by a Lugia. And it can one-hit KO a Lugia. So um, it's got the potential there to uh, make a comeback, maybe. Eternatus is back. Who knows? I mean, yeah, with a Zigzagoon and a Choice Belt, you're doing 310, which hits through the V-Guard energy. Eternatus is also a deck that could play Temple of Sinnoh if it wanted to as well, so that's a way you could get through the V-Guard energy. Uh, yep. So you don't even need the Choice Belt. You know, full bench plus the uh, Zigzagoon, that's 280, or leave a bench spot open with Choice Belt and Zigzagoon, which is probably the better outcome, honestly. Leave a bench spot open so you have space for a Crobat on the next turn because you're probably going to need it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, Temple of Sinnoh, get through the V-Guard energy. Eternatus, yeah, could have a chance to sneak back in there. Also, something to note, Mew VMAX is still pretty reasonably represented, it looks like. But most of the lists I've seen, this account that tweets these graphs out is like an, a PTCG news account for Japan. Um, I wanted to find... Yeah, some of these lists I've seen from Mew are actually back to the Fusion Strike Energy build, which I think makes a decent amount of sense, right? You get the four Fusion Strike Energy in play with your modifiers. You can get through... Or I guess V-Guard actually doesn't matter against um, Meloetta, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if you just get the four in play or three plus some modifiers, Meloetta is going to have an easier time getting through a Lugia than, than a Mew will, for sure. Yeah, and I think this... I think Lugia, like with everything that's coming out... And we'll have to wait and see, right? I think this might be a classic, now has become a classic uh, uh, top deck thing where the deck just ends up having everything. Uh, if you look at like Mew, one of my biggest gripes with Mew and Giratina actually, and Giratina didn't end up being as powerful as something like a Mew or a Palkia in its initial release. It just has that... inherent problems with like the Lost Zone engine itself. Yeah, right? exactly. But they gave Giratina Shred. Why Why do you need it? Why like, why did they give Giratina Shred? Why did they give Mew Max Miracle? And then you look at Lugia, V-Guard Energy, uh, and even its attack. Does the attack really need the effect of you may discard a stadium? Why does it have that? Like, you don't need... <laughs> why are you giving it more? Just, like, stop at 4 energy and 220 damage, and, and it's a broken ability, Listen, releasing it with Archeops. Why does it have the Why does it have the extra effect on the attack of you may discard a stadium? That's ridiculous. It why does it need a little a bit extra? It doesn't have a attack, though, Azul. It's fine, right? Yeah, but the Archeops is your shred attack. Okay, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just... Those little things kind of annoy me a little bit. It's like... Like and I know the the overall the 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 
Luka being able to discard a stadium might not ever be relevant like in a in a major way but I just feel like those little things are just like I think the biggest thing that kind of pushes Lugia over the edge is the V-Guard energy because it makes it so hard to KO you're effectively a V-Max Pokemon that's worth two prize cards like your Lugias will always consistently have effectively 310 HP which is so annoying to have to deal with so even if and this could come back to the attack right like if people are spamming Temple of Sinnoh's it's not it's not going to be there in play for more than one turn because their attack allows you to remove the stadium like yeah, uh, and a, if they're not they're not boosting their damage with powerful colorless energy, but they still give them four they still have four colorless energy attached. Right? Yeah, there's so. still four. Yeah, it's still four <laughs> colorless energy. They're still attacking, still removing your stadium. I just hate it when, um, the when these really powerful cards are also just given answers to, uh, answers like yeah. on the card. Like like Mew is like, oh, you can put a mill tank. Oh no, you can't. I have max miracle. You can't mill tank me. You can't uh, decidue me. Same thing with Giratina. Can't mill tank. It can't decidue. That never becomes an option as like a a way to construct your deck to combat these top tier decks. Um, and Palkia, insanely versatile with its options. So nothing like Palkia has been a deck that's been like a tier one deck for forever because you literally can't counter the deck. Palkia is like uncounterable for the most part, besides Flying Pikachu. But Flying Pikachu is only viable in a very narrow meta uh, for the most part. Uh, and then we got Lugia coming out where it seems like it has all these like these little things that allow it to counter anything you'd throw at it as a counter. Um, and also has Dunsparce to work with, right? So like it's white to lightning until Dunsparce is in play. So I don't know. I just hate it when like these really powerful cards get all these extra little things to go with it. It's like you can just stop at put two Archeops in play and give it nothing else. And the, the card is still going to be a tier one deck. It's still going to be a tier one broken deck. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I think it is going to be a tier one broken deck. I could be wrong. Anyway, to be honest, I do hope I'm wrong. I hope it's uh, maybe a tier two deck or just not good at all. That'd be, I think, better overall for the format. But we'll see because it looking as far as what we've seen from Japan, it's looking pretty good for Lugia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Lugia would be pretty bad into something like Reggie Gigas normally. But you mentioned the Dunsparce, which is massive yeah. for the deck. The fact that Dunsparce just can remove the weak. I mean, we normally see it obviously removing the weakness of Arceus V-Star getting rid of its fighting weakness, but it just removes the the weakness of colorless Pokemon. So it does remove the lightning weakness on Lugia V-Star as well. So not even getting an answer in the set, but the fact that an answer for that problem just exists in the meta as well. Yeah. Um, you know, is is pretty good for it. And we've seen a lot of reactions from some of the top players uh and top content creators as well talking about how broken Lugia is. Robin Schultz, who is the reigning LAIC champion as well, <laughs> tweeted out his tier list, or a first take on the LAIC meta, S-tier Lugia, nothing in A-tier, and then Mew, Palkia, and Gigas at B-tier. So, I mean, he just seems to, I mean, this could be a little bit of a meme, but also at the same time, maybe him and his testing group just feel like Lugia is a step above the rest of the meta right now. Yeah, and I think that's a bad thing, right? Because we've already seen it so many times where it kind of leads to, I think, a pretty unenjoyable format overall. It's not terrible, and I don't think it like takes all the skill out of Pokemon, but when Mew released, literally you either played Mew or something that hard-countered Mew, which just made a really unenjoyable format. And then Arceus came out, but Arceus's only purpose was to build other decks that could counter Mew. Uh, and then we had Palkia come out, and I think Palkia has been the worst of all of them so far, to be honest. Um, and not in the sense that it's like not as an enjoyable to play against as Mew, um, or even Arceus back when it was just Mew and Arceus. Uh, but it's just, Palkia was ridiculously strong. I think Palkia and Teleon has been one of the most powerful decks I think we've seen in a long time. So if Lugia is just going to come out and make Palkia unplayable because it's that much better than it, that's that's not healthy. Now, one thing I did say on my stream, um, and I didn't rant too hard about this on my stream because I was like, look, 
um, Pokemon with their video at Worlds being like, okay, it sounds like they don't. It sounds like Pokemon is looking to fix the game, um, and do make try and make the game different uh, fundamentally with EXs, right? So all this stuff that we're getting now, the Lugia and this final set, and then maybe are we gonna get like a small set in like January? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll get something in January. All this stuff has been. Um, been made to work in this format and has been planned to be released for probably a long time now, right? Um, I think we should only really be critiquing the fundamentals of the game. Uh, the only time it's really going to matter is once the EX stuff kind of takes over and becomes the main part of the game. That's when, if it still feels really bad like this, that's when we should be concerned, I think. I think right now we don't have to be too concerned. It's going to kind of suck if Lugia is like really, really broken and like you, the, literally the format becomes play Lugia or play something to hard counter Lugia. I think those formats are generally pretty unenjoyable. I'm fine with like a top three decks or something like that, or even the current more open meta that we have with the current Lost Origins meta. I enjoy that kind of stuff a little bit more. But like NAIC was a pretty unenjoyable format, I think, overall. It was literally <laughs> Palkia and Teleon, Arceus, and Mew. And you could play, if you didn't play any of those three decks, you were just trolling, right? So, <laughs> um, so hopefully, you know, that's so I think we don't have or to worry Mew about like, I think, or me to V. Yeah. If you're one of the or five people Union. playing me to V. Yeah. <laughs> So this might end up being pretty unenjoyable, but I think like the only time we should only be concerned, I think once the EX stuff happens, once their um, once their view of how they want the game to to uh, to be, once the EXs kind of take over the format, once we either uh, maybe it's a rotation from now, maybe it's two rotations, maybe it's just like four set releases into the EX formats. Um, if it's still bad and we feel like their vision of the game is coming to light, but it's still kind of the same old that we've been seeing the last couple of years, then I think there's there's cause for concern. But it does sound like they want to fundamentally change up the game quite a bit with the EX releases. So Lugia, yeah, I mean, it seems very strong. And I think we'll see at LAIC, but everything I've seen so far from it does lead me. To, I mean, the main issue the main problem with the deck theoretically is going to be getting Archeops in the discard pile. That's like the one hurdle yeah. that has to overcome, but that's not that hard, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. Four ultra ball, the... four evolution incense. Yeah. And four Archeops as well. Some yeah. people, if you've seen someone post a list with three Archeops, they're trolling for sure. Right? Like <laughs> the most important part of your deck to get your broken strategy to work is to get Archeops down. You got to play the four Archeops for sure. Right? Yeah, and you could run to that situation where you prize two of them. So I think you're always playing. You could maybe skimp on an evolution in sense, but you're probably playing four Archeops 100% of the time. And I think it will be a ridiculously popular deck at LAIC. I think it's possible that it doesn't win, of course. And like, and I think we will see some counter decks. And I think we will see the meta adjust a little bit more uh, in the following tournaments of like Toronto and Dallas, where we see more people come up with counters and stuff. Uh, but I think it will be ridiculously popular at LAIC, rightfully so. Uh, and we will see some people try and come up with their counters and see what counters people can come up with. Um, and I'm sure some of those will see pretty good success because there'll be a lot of Lugia in the room. Um, but if the, if the deck truly is that powerful, um, and it might just feel like Palkia all over again, where it's like, all right, you, your deck counters uh, Lugia, but you're getting to like a 50% win rate against it or something like that, maybe 52. So it's still basically a 50-50. Yeah, I guess the question also becomes kind of where does Tina fit into this, the most popular deck from the current format? You know, does Tina do okay against Lugia? I mean, the fact... Uh, Lugia, uh, Tina being able to, uh, it can definitely build in a way to deal with Lugia, right? Like you can add Choice Belt to the deck, so you're doing 310, you're hitting through the V Guard yep. energies. Tina's also a deck that can totally play Temple of Sinnoh if it wanted to as well. Yeah. Um. So that's a possibility, and of course, just the the threat of Star Requiem being able to take 
two prizes at any point. You know, usually the big benefit is going to be in the matchups where you're taking three prizes on a VMAX, right, is where Star Requiem is really going to shine uh, when you're knocking out like a Curum or a, a Mew or something like that. But just taking the two is still good enough sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah, you can still set up like the two 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 prize trade. Um, I think it's just going to be how fast and efficient is Lugia. Um, because if you're just like going like turn two, boss KO your Giratina yeah. or Serena, Serena up the Giratina now. Um, because that card is, I think, going to be the second biggest card from the set, which could have a ton of impact on how a bunch of decks are built as far as aggression goes. Because now, if half of your draw supporters are also gust effects, that opens up so many more opportunities to get like turn two boss plays and stuff. Well, now turn two Serena plays, I guess. And usually when you're looking for a turn two gust effect play it's usually to chase down a v anyway so it's not like you need boss right so i think even decks like arceus could abuse that pretty heavily where you go back to some arceus builds with like heavier choice belt goon um because now you're just going like you're so more so much more likely to have the gust in the hand that now you can starve with four the other two pieces to get that gust ko on the bench v pokemon I actually think Serena might be the best card in the set like lugia is obviously insanely powerful but when we're talking about just longevity um, I guess maybe Serena yeah. actually won't have that much longevity because oh, yeah, it EXs. does say, yeah, because <laughs> we're getting EXs. Uh, but for the time being, Serena, I think, is just insane. Uh, the yeah. fact that yeah, all of your fair. boss's orders turn into potential draw supporters, right? It's not, obviously not quite the same as boss's orders because you can't bring up a basic Pokemon. But how often are you going boss a comfy for game? Like almost never, right? Well, um, I don't know. Once you get that... that it is actually, I think, a little bit more than people think because when you do get that first knockout on like a Sobble sure. or something. And that's so the I big concern I've see seen people boss. talk about with it. And so it's like you still play a boss or a split, a 2-2 split. But like yeah. just the, the potential for your gusting effect to also have a draw support option, even if it's not like the strongest draw support option. Um, I mean, any Pokemon player can think over the last year of a time where they opened up with a hand that had no supporter in it except boss's orders, right? It has definitely happened. So imagine if that boss's orders just had a little bit of a bailout option for you to at least get something going, right? Yeah, it'll make the game, and I think it's actually a bad thing, it'll make the game that much more consistent, which I think is actually already, like, not inherently a, always a bad thing in, in the game, but you want to create almost more rng in the game to yeah. an extent um in some situations because then that increases the the length of games right i mean and if that's what lift... makes card games unique that's what separates us from something like chess right um i think like a great example of this is palkia palkia is inconsistent in the early game but if palkia sets up it is insane you can i mean it's become a big meme at this point but you can do literally anything you have perfect access to your entire deck so at that point once palkia sets up it's a chess game of managing your resources which that is really fun and that's what like some of the top level players probably enjoy the most uh is just that chess game of getting the exact pieces in the right order, managing your resources perfectly. And there's a ton of skill in that without a doubt. But um, I think the thing that separates card games from something like chess is the fact that there is that little bit of an RNG element that even if you play to your outs, like sometimes someone who's a lesser player than you is going to be able to beat you. And that's like something that's exciting for the people who are the lesser players, right? Because yeah. uh, that's what gives them, like, because if, if Pokemon was a game of pure, pure skill, um, there would be 
way less people at these tournaments, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because like they they wouldn't feel like they had a chance. Um, yeah, but... I think if that's truly truly what you're looking for, then you should go play chess, yes. right? So we yeah. do want a level of RNG in the game, and you want it, and sometimes it creates. Um, depending on the meta, it'll create a space for the better player to win more often when there's more RNG in the game because it creates it makes games longer uh, and gives more opportunity for people to mess up. And it's not just oh, you went first, and because the games last three turns, uh, there's less chance for you to mess up, and the game is so much more linear now that you're not going to mess up, and now you're just going to beat me in three turns because you knocked out three of my two prize Pokemon, right? Yeah. Um. So always hoping for a little bit of RNG, and that's what. Like I feel like Serena takes away a little bit of that RNG, and I already feel like the game has been lacking in the RNG department. A part of that, I think, is the Inteleon engine, of course. Um, but yeah, I think the game has been lacking a little bit overall in the RNG department. And maybe that's because it feels like that, because like half the decks, like you look at the Lost Zone decks right now, and they literally like try and mill themselves aggressively to play around like Marnie and Roxanne in the late game and like go down to like as few cards as possible. And then you have the Inteleon decks where they just get whatever they want, anyways. Um then you have like the you the good old the good old old fashioned arc B barrels are like the the remaining or like the Reggies. Those are like, the real Pokemon supporter. decks, right? Yeah, those <laughs> are the real Pokemon decks. Play by draw supporter. Let's get some cards. What do we got? Maybe a little bit of a draw engine, like a B barrel in play or something. Yeah. <laughs> really playing Pokemon. Um, so yeah, hopefully it doesn't like. I feel like that could be like maybe like not not, not, not maybe not a truly warranted fear of uh, Serena, but it is something that like is is to to think about. It's like maybe it makes the game a little bit too consistent at that point. And we'll talk about some of the other potential decks to come out of this new set next week. Maybe we'll look at all the V-Stars or something like that and at least give our thoughts on them. You know, we talked about Reggie Drago a couple weeks ago. You know, Vulpix is kind of interesting. Um, not the best, <laughs> but uh, one other card I do want to talk about just a little bit, which uh, kind of on a similar level to Serena, I think is an absolutely insane card, especially considering the meta, is Forest Seal Stone, the new tool card. The, the tablet, as most people, <laughs> I think, have started to call it. Um, it's a tool card that gives a Pokemon V a V-Star power. And the V-Star power it gains is Star Alchemy. During your turn, you may search your deck for any one card and put it into your hand, then shuffle your deck. So it's half of a Star Birth for any basic Pokemon V. And I think the obvious place for this card to go is in Mew Max decks because you can just slap it on Genesect and get any card, any combo piece you need. Yeah, yeah, definitely going to be a big impact, especially for Mew specifically because it gets around Path to the Peak. Like, yes. Path doesn't stop it. So it is an ability, but it's an ability on a tool card, not the actual Pokemon. Um, so the ruling on it, and I could see it being so ruled weird. either way. Yeah, yeah I actually would have liked it to be ruled that Path shuts it off, but um, personally... But the ruling is because it's a an ability on a tool card that is then attached to the Pokemon. Path to the Peak does not shut off the ability. Yeah, so, so the wording is really important here. Path yeah. to the Peak says Pokemon with a rule box have no abilities. And the tool card says um, the Pokemon V this card is attached to can use this V-Star power. It does not say that this Pokemon gains this ability, that it has this ability. It says it can use this ability. So that is where the big difference is and why the ruling works out the way it does. <clears throat> yeah, so Path doesn't shut it off. So when you're, if you're Mew, if you just get that in play before you get Roxanne Path, you just have a free get like get out of jail free card right there and just go get a stadium or yep. a vacuum or whatever bump the path or go get just like a boss for game or something and you just win um and also it's just like a powerful card like if you open your opening hand and it's dead except for the forest you just use that to go get a vip pass and then you're cruising right and i think a lot of other decks will try and take it any literally any deck that just doesn't play 
a doesn't have a V-Star power. Yeah, we'll there's this not the much else in the meta right now. Um, something like Eternatus, I guess, right? <laughs> you know, we talked about yeah. Eternatus <laughs> a little bit. Uh, Vika Volt, which we talked about, you know, that's a deck that could theoretically use yep. it. Um, everything else is pretty much going to have a V-Star power. You know, it's like an Arceus deck or a Palkia deck, but uh, it also does open up other possibilities, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, just an incredibly powerful card. I do also, I guess while we're talking about this, we can talk about, there is a, another similar tool card, um, yeah. which is the Earthen Seal Stone, which also grants a Pokemon V a V-Star power. And that V-Star power is Star Gravity for three colorless. It's an attack. Put damage counters on all of your opponent's Pokemon V until they each have 100 HP remaining. So we've seen this type of attack be really good in the past. Uh, it usually is do 100 damage to everything, but this just puts everything down to 100 remaining, uh, which is pretty interesting. Azul, do you have any thoughts on this card? I mean, I think obviously the other tablet is better, but these type... We, we haven't had a great like spread deck or even a decent spread deck, I feel like, for a little while. Uh, I guess besides Urshifu, if you want to count that. Yeah, so one of the problems with this, obviously, is like if your opponent just doesn't evolve their Pokemon and then they evolve afterwards... They still have quite a bit of HP. They don't just have 100 left. They'll have like 200 left um, or like 180 or whatever, um, depending on the Pokemon. So they'll have a little bit more HP. Um, but there's cool combos you can do with this. You can combo this with Drapion or Zapdos. And their abilities actually apply to the attack on the tablet. Yeah, and this is actually uh, very conflicting because yeah, <laughs> based on what we just said about tablet and Path to the Peak... This attack should not work with something like Drapion V or Zapdos. But I think it has to be like an English translation issue because it has been ruled in Japan that it does work. But yeah, which I think is cool. I think that's actually a cool interaction there. Sure. So Drapion and Zapdos both say for each of your opponent's Pokemon. Well, Drapion says for each of your single strike, rapid strike, or fusion strike Pokemon in play, its attacks cost one colorless less. And Zapdos is for each of your opponent's V Pokemon in play, its attacks cost one colorless left so the tablet costs triple colorless so if they have three v pokemon in play and you slap that on your zapdos it can use the attack for free because of its ability so you can put all your opponent's pokemon down to uh, 100 hp remaining then you have a v pokemon in your active and if they didn't evolve then they evolve they get you prize cards off that v pokemon so how good is that actually going to be eh, i don't know um but it's a cool combo at the very least and um i think the the card outside of something like that could be good as well i don't know what deck you play it in but i think it has potential definitely not as uh, going to be as uh, as heavily played as the 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 forest tablet but um i don't think that one's going to be like very high impact either because yeah a lot of the best decks have very good v-star powers to begin with yes so those are just kind of some of our early thoughts on the silver tempest meta lugia seems insanely strong but we'll go yeah. more in depth <laughs> next week and talk a little bit more about it and I think with all that being said, Azul, um, any other closing thoughts? Anything else you want to say about Lugia before we wrap up the episode? No, I think that's it. Let's wrap it up, Chip. Send us away. Yes, thanks to everyone so much for listening. If you enjoyed, as always, please be sure to leave us a rating, a review, all of those things. It is the quickest and easiest way to support us. It's free. It takes just a second, so we really would appreciate it. And we're so thankful to everyone who has already of course done that you can check us out on social media of course you can follow us uh subscribe to the podcast over on youtube you can also follow the podcast on twitter at uncommon underscore energy and you can also follow myself and azul myself being at trainer chip 
and Azul at Azul underscore GG. That's definitely the best place to uh, stay in touch with us. The, our, definitely our most active social media platform for sure. So yep. yeah, interact with us over there. Give us a follow and we'll keep you up to date with our happenings and our doings in the world of Pokemon. Yeah, thanks for the support as always. Catch you all next week. Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Eastern. Peace.